Good morning. Well, welcome to LifePoint today. We are in a series called Big Rocks, and it's about how to live a God-first life. We're in week three. Thank you for coming, sharing part of your day with us. If you're here for the first time, my name's Donnie Williams. I'm one of the pastors here. I would love to meet you after the service. Just come down front, say hello. I'll be down front with some of our other pastors, and we would just like to hear a little bit about your story and meet you. Well, today is a really memorable day in the life of our church. Today marks 12 months since we've been in this building. And God has done some amazing things in the life of our church over the past 12 months, uh, far, than we could, far more than we could ever imagine. And I can't wait to share uh, some of the things that we believe God's doing uh, for the next year of our church and beyond. So I can't wait uh, to share that with you. Not today. So you have to come back. And at some day in the future, I will be sharing that with you. Well, this series is really a series about priorities. Because every day we get up and we start our day. Tomorrow we will start our week and we have choices to make. What do we prioritize? What do we focus a lot of energy on? And what do we kind of let put, put on the back burner for a while? And what tends to happen in our lives is those urgent things that tend to take up so much of our time, get all of our time. And then the things that are really important, the things that really make life worth living, kind of get pushed back and pushed back and pushed back until our life looks like this, this classic illustration that we've shared every week. All the little stuff goes in first, things like mortgages and sports and travel and neighborhoods and houses and cars and all that other kind of stuff, all that little stuff that requires so much of our time gets put in first and then our life ends up looking like this because we want to get the good stuff in there and so we start trying to cram it in and then we wonder, why am I stressed out all the time? Why is my schedule always so overfull that I can't get it all done? But what if there was a way to live where you could get everything in it including the important stuff, everything in your life, where you could live the full life, not the overfull life, but the full life. And that's what we're talking about. What are some of the things that are, it's essential that we prioritize these things in our life so the big rocks go in first? And when they go in first, we just seem to have more time for the little stuff that we think is so important, the fun stuff, the stuff we enjoy. If we start enjoying the, the important things first, just watch and see how life works. So the first week we said that when we put God first, when God's in first place, everything else just seems to fall into place. And Jesus actually said something very similar to that when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What are these things? These things are the little things that we worry about. And God just doesn't say, put me first, now you're on your own. God wants us to put him first, and then when we accept Christ, we're brought into this family. Followers of Jesus are the family of Jesus, and the family of Jesus needs to be a huge priority in our life because that's the place we go for support. That's the place we go when we're in trouble. That's the place we go to get grace and forgiveness and understanding and advice, and wise counsel. That's the place that makes our biological families better, our home families better, our finances better, our life better. It's to be 
deeply connected with the family of God. So those are the two big rocks that we said, you got to put those in. Those have got to take priority or the other stuff's just going to crowd them out and they're not going to fit. If you've missed any part of this series, just get on our website and you can watch or listen to the last couple of weeks. So today's big rock is the big rock of mission or the big rock of purpose. However, you could say it either way. You might think, what, what do you mean? When I say mission, what do you think about? Well, you probably think about somebody going on a mission trip, right? You know, people have gone on mission trips. How many people in here, you've been on a mission trip, which means you raise money, uh, you spend two to $4,000, you go to another country, uh, you sleep in a tent, you probably get diarrhea somewhere along the way, and then you come home and talk about how awesome the mission trip was. One of the first things I did when I became a follower of Christ was I went on a mission trip. A group of guys said, hey, Donnie, you know what you need to do? You need to go on this mission trip with us in the spring, the spring of 1989, long time ago. You need to go with us. And I was like, well, what's a mission trip? And so they explained what we were going to do. And I said, all right, I'm in. I'll do it. So I went on this mission trip and to northern Scotland and spent part of a summer there. I don't know how much difference we made there, but I know the difference that was made in me. It's where I first started to think about Maybe God is going to use me in leadership in ways that I never could have imagined. Good things happen on mission trips. I wish that everybody could go on one. If you, if you got to save for 10 years, you should save the money and go on one because God does really big stuff in people's lives on trips like that. In fact, we got some trips coming up in the next year to to Haiti, to Ecuador, and some other places that if I mention, people will like pinch me afterwards and say, why'd you say that? We're not ready for that to be announced. But other really cool places in the world where you can go and serve people in the name of Christ. But what if you could go on a mission and never leave your zip code? What if you could become a missionary and still live in the same house? What if you could carry Jesus's mission without adding a lot of stuff to your life. Because when I start talking about mission, you're probably thinking we got to do more stuff. And you already told us that our life is full. So how am I going to do more stuff? What if you could do that and just keep on your same schedule? What if you could do that and live in your same house, have the same job, go to the same school? See, God calls each of us when we choose to follow Christ God gives each of us a mission, purpose. And maybe you're one of the people here today that you're, you're still standing outside the family of God. You're kind of peeking in. You're kind of looking, thinking, is this something for me? Or I've got a bunch of questions about everything you talk about. And you're not ready. But, but for those of you that have said, I trust in Jesus, you have a mission. God has called you on a mission right where you are. We're going to look at a section of scripture where Jesus made it clear what he wants his disciples to do. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, raise your hand. They'll give you one. You're welcome to keep that Bible or you can turn it back in. You can also follow along on the screen as I read from God's word today. This word mission comes from a Latin word that just, it just means to be sent. See, missionaries are sent to a place 
to bring the message of Christ. You've probably gotten a letter from a missionary asking for money so they can go to the place where God has called them and serve people in the name of Christ. Missionaries are sent. So God sends us, and you don't have to travel around the world to be on mission. Sending people out was God's idea. If you, if you start to read your Bible and you, and you just start, start in Genesis and you start to read, you'll see God start to send people. He sent a guy named Abraham to be the father of many nations. He sent, he sent this guy, Moses, to deliver his people from Egyptian bondage. He sent a guy named Jonah that people that haven't even read their Bibles or been to church much know who Jonah is. He was the guy that got thrown overboard in the sea and he got swallowed up by this big fish. It doesn't say a whale, but it was a big fish. And and he had to stay in that fish for three days and three nights because God sent him to, not to the whale or to the fish, but to a city to preach God's good news to people so they could turn their lives around. And he said, no thanks. He went in the other direction and God said, let me give you a reason to think about this for a little bit. He was sent by God. He ended up doing what God asked him to do and do the mission that God sent him on. God sent prophets to preach to his people that Jesus Christ was coming. He sent prophets to preach to his people and say, Turn from your wicked ways. Change the way you live. And eventually God sent his son so we can live forever. Jesus is described over and over again in the New Testament as one who was sent. Sent to bring good news to the poor. Sent to heal the sick. Sent to release people from their sins to save the world. And we're going to pick up in his story in Jesus's life after his death and burial and resurrection. So now Jesus is is now resurrected. We're going to read this story, part of it in John chapter 20, when Jesus's disciples had watched him be crucified and buried and he was left for dead. They were just sure he was dead. So what they do? They ran. They were scared. They thought somebody was going to come and do the same thing to them. And so they go to this house in the city and they lock the door because they're scared. They're going to come and do the same thing to us. Well, Jesus appears to them. He comes through a locked door. They're already scared. Can you imagine that? God does have a sense of humor. They're already scared to death. Jesus just appears to them, and they're probably even more scared because they know they had just left him on his own. But what does he say to them? He says, peace be with you. The same thing Jesus says to us when we mess up. The same thing he says to us when we find ourselves in places we never intended to be. The same thing he says to us when we really do something stupid. He looked at them, he said, peace be with you. And he goes on to say this in verse 21. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now there's no doubt it was Jesus saying this because if it was a person, what I would have said to a group of people that left me by myself, I would have said, you're all fired. I'm done with you. I'm gonna go get some more people that will stick with me, that won't betray me 
that won't leave me alone. He could have said that to all of them and just said, hit the road, I'm going to find some new followers. But he didn't. He met them right where they messed up and he said, I still believe in you. I still believe that you can make a difference in the world. And he said, I believe in you so much that I don't want you to be afraid, but I want you to know that just like God sent me, Jesus, to the world to redeem it, I'm sending you out to get my message to the people who need to hear it. So if you follow Jesus, you're on a mission. Now, the next question might be, well, where and what? Where's my mission and what am I supposed to do? And Jesus gave some insight to those questions in the book of Matthew chapter 28, beginning at verse 18. Look at the screen as I, as I read through this. Read it with me. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So what Jesus is saying, you're my disciples, I want you to go. Where does he want us to go? Where did he want them to go? He wanted them to go to the world. He wanted them to break down racial barriers and cultural barriers and gender barriers and take his message to people who need to hear it. So he's saying, go across the world and let people know. That's what I'm asking you to go and do. But this little word go, if you looked it up in the original language Jesus was speaking, it has a much deeper meaning than just pack your bags and hit the road. Because this word can also mean as you are going, as you're going through your life. It can mean to pursue or depart, and it can mean to order your life. And Jesus is saying, as you go, order your life in such a way that you teach people and that you invite other people in on the journey. So when you, when you make a decision to follow Christ, it's not that you choose to go as much as you realize when you follow him, you reorder your life because you are sent by Jesus to reach the world. He would later say it in a different way. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when the church was beginning, he said this, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. See, in those two sections of Scripture, Jesus made it clear, my followers or my marketing plan. You follow Jesus, you are his marketing plan. You are what he wants to use to get his word out to the world. He ascended back into heaven and he said, hey, I want you to go be my witnesses. Every person who follows Christ is a witness for Christ. You may never be able to stand up and speak to lots of people. You may never have the musical ability to lead people in worship, but every single one of you who follows Christ can be a witness for him right where you are. What does a witness do? Witness just talks about what they've seen and heard. It's that simple. Several years ago, I witnessed a car accident. 
This guy zipped past me. Somebody pulled out. Boom. They hit right in front of me. There were injuries, ambulance, the whole thing. I couldn't get by. The police come. They start taking statements. They ask me what I saw. I told them what I saw. Months go by. We actually moved to another state. I get a call from an attorney. Is this Mr. Williams? Did you witness this accident at this place on this day? Yes, it's me and I did. Well, can I ask you a few questions? Sure, you can ask me a few questions. So I just want to know what happened, he said. And I was like, okay, here's what happened. And so I went through the story about what happened. I didn't have to say, well, wait a minute. I got to figure out how I talk about what I saw. I I, I got to figure out how do I communicate what I saw. I just told the guy what I saw, which turns out he was the attorney for the person that caused the accident. And he didn't like what he heard from me because I saw the whole thing. And so he just said, thank you very much. And I never heard from him again. So I doubt my story, the truth ever got told, but I was just a witness. That's what a witness does. A witness just talks about what they've seen, talks about what they've heard. And Jesus says, just follow me and invite other people in on the experience. I believe this is the easiest time in the history of mankind to invite people in on your life. Over the last month, the thousand or so people in the world that have chosen to let me see their lives in social media have chosen to share with me all of these pictures of their kids going to school. For showing the picture of them big, showing the picture of them little, all first day of school. I did the same thing. So if you're my friend, you saw all of that. And it's easy just to say, here is my life. I love looking and seeing where people go on vacation. It's just cool to kind of see that. And it's an easy time to invite people in and say, here is my life. Here's who I am. It's, it's easy. So this should be a really easy time to be a witness if we're a follower of Christ. We just have to change our minds about what it means to be a missionary, what it means to be on mission. So when you follow Christ, you are sent to be a missionary right where you are. Every week, I like to give you a bottom line, just something you can remember, something that's easy to just think about and, and jot down and even, even tweet it or put it on social media, whatever you do that, and, and it, you can do that. So today's bottom line is a little corny, but it's memorable. And if I could rap, I could bring Joel back out and he'd get a beat going, I would rap it off to you, but I'm not going to do that. That would embarrass me. And you would laugh, but I want you to remember this. Wherever you are sent, represent. That's a little corny, isn't it? But you'll remember that today. You will remember that. Where, wherever you are sent, represent. Let's personalize it a little bit and say it together. I am sent to represent. I am sent to represent. And that's what Jesus asks every follower to do is to represent him. See, by following Jesus, you make an agreement. When you say, Jesus, I want to follow you, you're saying, I want to go where you go. I want to do the things that you did. I want to, I want to reach people like you reached people. And Jesus said, yes, come and follow me and be on mission wherever you go. How would your life look if you no longer made decisions just based on this is what I want and this is what I like? What if you, those of you who follow Christ, made decisions based on Jesus sending you on a mission? 
Instead of, hey, I want to move to this new neighborhood, get a bigger house, have more space, have more room, nicer, new place. Nothing wrong with that. But what if you thought through and said, where can I go to be the best witness and be on mission? Where can I go to prioritize this rock in my life? And when it comes to your job, instead of just seeing your job as something like, man, I got to get up, I got to go do this again, I don't like that guy, my boss hates me, I can't stand that person. Instead of seeing your job like that, what if you saw your job as, hey, I'm a follower of Christ, so now my job is my mission. And you students, what if you started to see going to class and sitting down, not as just something you have to do, but something you get to do to be on mission as a follower of Christ? What if on the sports field, you thought, started to think, I'm not just here to get exercise and to conquer and to beat people. I am here to be on mission. It would would really change the language. I guarantee that. Change that up a little bit. But what what if you did that? What if it shifted instead of saying, I want to go here and do that for me? You said, you know what? I want to live there because maybe I could be on mission there. Just this morning, when I came out of my house at 630 in the morning, I walk out of my house and my neighbor's walking by. And it kind of startles me a little bit. And I say, hey, how you doing? And it's, this is a neighbor that I kind of hope didn't come to church today because I'm talking about him. <laughs> but a neighbor that I've invited to church and a neighbor that has said, ah, I'm not, they're not really into church. A neighbor that has said, maybe we might, which is translation for I'm polite and I'm nice, stop asking. And I thought, what a perfect day for me to see him as a reminder that he's not going to respond to me saying come to church, but what if I lived on mission around this guy? What What if I saw him and my neighbors as, these are the people that God has surrounded me with to be his witness? How could I do that? How could you do that where you live and work and study and play? As a follower of Jesus, we're sent to represent him to the world. This is happening in our church. There are people, I know people who are living on mission and it's determining where they live and and how they live where they live and and what they do with their free time. And they're living on mission thinking, I want to be a representative for Christ to the people God has put me around. One of the guys that you're going to get to hear his story on video in just a second, but he, he followed Christ at LifePoint a couple years ago, and he got on mission. He never even heard a message about getting on mission. He just did it naturally. Take a look at this video. So my name is Jaron Holmes. I, I started going to LifePoint about two years ago. Um, I was not a believer when I started, when I started coming. Um, we were invited by some friends, and uh, I really, was really kind of doing it for my wife. Um, but shortly after us going, some, some things started happening, and, and I started asking some questions. Uh, I met with one of the pastors, and he kind of explained the Bible to me, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and I, I started reading it, and I got really hungry for it really, really quickly. I just came to the realization that Jesus was what I was ultimately searching for, and when I found him, it just changed my life. The way I looked at the people around me changed, um, and I, 
I had a peace all of a sudden that I never thought was possible. And I just wanted, from that point on, I just wanted everybody else to have that peace. And so I started telling people, <laughs> started telling people the next day what had happened to me. Um, started telling them about Jesus. So one one thing I, I, I really started to do is I prayed a lot. I prayed every day, all day long for everybody I saw, for my family, and I just started seeing things change. Um, I started teaching my kids what I was learning in the Bible. I saw I saw growth there. Um, I started doing walks in my neighborhood and, and praying for people, um, praying for houses, and I started meeting people. Uh, I started meeting people at the pool and I would pray for them. Um, next thing you know, I, I had a small group that started um, by really nothing other than from prayer. I have a, a group that we meet on Tuesday nights and that really came about by hanging out at my pool. Um, and I started started meeting people there and and uh, when I had the chance I, I, would, I would tell them how my life had changed over the last couple years and and uh, it turns out there's other people in my neighborhood that believe in Jesus and there's some that have questions and and that's how this group formed and I I really can't explain how it happened but the guy said hey why don't we you know why don't we get together sometime and and go over some verses in the Bible and just kind of talk about life and so we started doing that on Tuesday nights and it's been great it's good for me to to get a perspective of from some of the non-believers uh, it's good for I've noticed what it's really good for is is some of the people that have been going to church for a long time um, they, they they're starting to get a new perspective on on what it what it's like to for, for people who don't don't believe and, and, and to be able to interact with with them. I never thought I would be a part of something like this and and I just want I just I just want everybody else to, to be experiencing what, what it is I've been experiencing over the last year and a half. And <laughs> that's it. That's somebody that says, you know, my, my mission that's been given to me by God because I'm a follower of Christ needs to take priority in my life. And you may think, I don't have time. How can I have the time to start to do all those things? What if you could do it right where you are? What if you could live on mission and not add anything to your calendar or anything to your schedule? This class that's coming up called My Mission, yes, I'm going to promote it again because it's important that everybody who can, everybody who follows Christ takes this class. It starts, the, the, it starts September the 22nd right here on Monday nights. There's details about it in your program and you can sign up by just writing My Mission on the back of your Connect card. But in that class, we're going to talk about, well, how do we do that? How do we reprioritize and rethink missions in such a way that it's right where I am? How do I do that? Well, you start by doing what Jaron just talked about, praying about your neighborhood. You start by listening, like what are some of the needs of the people around me? You start by thinking, okay, I'm going to eat anyway. Who could I have dinner with that would really help me get to know them and maybe share part of my story? 
What if I served with these people that I'm around, that God's put me around all the time, or served them in some way? And then what if I share my story? What if I start to share what God's done in my life? What I've witnessed, what I've seen and heard in my life. Those five simple practices, which we're going to talk about over a five-week class on Monday nights, will revolutionize the way you see missions. Now, you might think, oh, does that mean i got to knock on people's doors? People still, people still knock on my door. I kind of like it. Two nice-dressed young men come and knock on my door, and I just say, well, I'm a pastor. Would you like to sit down and talk? <laughs> Usually they don't. Usually they just say, oh, no, no, it's all right, man. You're, you're good. God bless you. And they ride away on their bicycles. So, <laughs> but I'm willing to talk. We're not asking you to do that. That doesn't work. But what we're saying is, what if you lived on mission right where you are? Here's why this is important. Every week, you hear me say, at some point in the service, bring somebody with you. Invite your friends. And you do that. That's why we've grown so much in the past 12 to 18 months. That's why we've added a third service to try to accommodate the more people that you keep inviting. After first service, I met two or three families that said, hey, here's who we brought with us. But here's the deal with inviting people. Based on the best research that I can find of the groups that do this kind of research, only 40% of the people you ask will actually respond to an invitation. So 40% of the population in our area would be willing to say, I'll come to a church service. I'll come and sit and look at screens and sing songs and put my kids over there and listen to a message and laugh a little bit, put some money in the plate and go home. I'll do that. I'll give it a shot. 40% of the people will do that. 60% of the people will not. They will not respond to a simple invitation. Why? Well, maybe they got burned by church. Maybe church was a horrible experience for them. Maybe they have a completely different worldview and this whole idea of church, they just don't get it. Maybe they grew up with no church background at all, or maybe they just don't see the value in it. People aren't going to do something they don't see the value in. So we have a choice. 40% of the people will respond. 60% of the people will not respond to an invitation. We can just say, well, 40%, wow, we just had our one millionth person in Wake County. That's 400,000 people. That's a lot of people to invite to church. You 60%, you 600,000, you can go to hell because this, this part is really comfortable. It's easy to invite. This is important because most people in our city won't respond to an invitation. Keep inviting, keep asking. But how do we share the message of Christ with people who don't even understand what it means to go to church and see no value in it? The way you reach those people, you live on mission around them. You begin to live the idea that I am sent to represent Christ to you, my neighbor, to you, the other person sitting beside me in class, to you, the person I'm on the field with, to you, I work with every day. I am sent by Jesus to represent him to you. That's how we reach the other 60% of the people. I'm not involved in church leadership to just have a church. I want to reach people. I want to reach more people next year than we reach this year because those numbers are pretty important when we're talking about people who come to know Jesus. And as many of those as we can get, get them here. Live on mission in front of them so they can come to know the message of Christ the way those of us who follow him have. So repeat after me one more time. I am sent to represent 
Now go represent Christ this week. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the confidence that you place in us to be your representatives. God, give us opportunities in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our jobs, and in our circles of friends to represent you in the most effective way possible. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.